Hey, Giray, thank you so much for joining Never Lunch Alone today. Hey, Matt, thanks for having me. I know we've been talking uh, about this for a while, so really excited. Uh, thanks for having me here. Absolutely. And this is going to be a little different flavor. I've, I've had different uh, account executives and sales VPs, marketers, but I haven't had anybody, I would say, with the amount of experience and background in sales development, business development as you have. So I'm, I'm anxious to learn just as much as I, I hope everyone out there in LinkedIn and podcast world uh, can learn as well. Because I don't know if we've talked about this in the past. I've never actually been an SDR. My, my path to getting uh, into sales has, has been different, more on the, the technical side. But you and your career, you've been entrenched, getting your hands dirty, both doing it, both managing it, now consulting for it, all in the realm of, of business development. So what do you love about business development? Yeah, I think uh, if I have to sum, there's a lot, but if I have to really sum it up, it's you know the ability to find people who are having challenges, but haven't really thought about it in the way that somebody could solve for it right and the ability to engage with the prospect or a company and to be able to dig into that and solve that challenge together that kind of aha moment when you realize that your problem's a lot worse than you thought and that you can actually measure the ability to see the the challenge being solved i think that's the big area that gets me excited throughout my career about why i love sales development business development so much and would you say that's the most interesting thing about sales in general, or you think even uh, at the business development level, it's, it's even more about that and, and less about other areas? Yeah, I think so. I think at the heart of it, yes, right? At the heart of it, it's the ability to, yeah, everyone's got different motivations, right? Whether they're coin operated or they're wanting to be, wanting to build things, right? Whatever that personal motivator is. I think at the end of the day, it's the ability to, at least the top, you know, sellers that I've bumped into in my career and, you know, top prospectors, you know, working more top of the funnel. It's that ability to solve for a pain, right? To work through different methods to engage and finding a rhyme or reason to, you know, driving the most relevant message to that right person at the right time and understanding the context of that persona and working together to solve for, uh, tackle a challenge together to solve for it, right? And then obviously to make an impact, to be able to, I think for whatever it is, there's a level of return that happens, whether it's you get, you get more time back, saving money or making more money uh, for the business and making an impact in that way. I think the, uh, that that is a common thing that's shared for both parties, yeah. You, you mentioned prospecting and it seems like everyone these days is prospecting, whether you're, uh, an account executive, whether you're in business development, whether you know you're a founder, founder-led sales like I am, but everyone is is prospecting. You know, I look at the top sellers that are out there. I think the, the a common denominator that I often see is, you know, I know there's a big debate about should AEs be prospecting or not. Forget if it's called prospecting or making cold calls. I think what every seller, top top seller that I've seen in my career, share in common, is just that 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 instinct, that curiosity, and that instinct to want to make an impact. And whether it be, you know, going really, really breaking into an account or, you know, being able to get from one stage to another, you know, not wanting to, you know, uh, lose or wanting to win and trying to figure that out. There's that level of like impact they want to make. I think that those are the things that, you know, have led me to really appreciate sales, to crack that code, to understand what that next thing is. Um, and to solve for that challenge. And so I think, yeah, I think for me, it's understanding that realm 
and having a passion for it. And, you know, I think for me, I was talking to my wife the other day about this. And I think we're just talking, I'm like, hey, why do you think I like sales? I think, and she, she kind of, or why do you think I do this for a living? Or do you think I was meant to do this? And she kind of was like, well, yeah, you're just, you're just, you're interested in people. You're, you're curious at the core and you kind of just always want to, you know, figure it out. Like you want to know why you're always asking why, and you're fascinated by the, the, the thoughts, the thoughts of life that are connected and why people do what they do. Right. And on top of that, I, and my wife was saying this to me as well. She was like, you also like, you know, insert some kind of like, Oh, you're such a tech bro here or whatever. But it's, she's always like, you have this mentality of like, you, you just want, you want to take over the world. You have this like energy and maybe it's my interpretation of it, but in, in some form or other, <laughs> she's kind of regurgitating. Like you always have this, like this, this, this thing, this thing in between your eyes of like, you just want to make an impact. Right. And you'll never settle until you do it and you don't have any barriers. Right. And so I say all that, not more so about me, but those are some of the things that I also have seen in other, you know, sales professionals. And ultimately, I think that's what it takes to, you know, get to that next level. And that's what I've always wanted to kind of train up on to answer your question about how it got to what I'm doing today. And that's very perceptive of, of your wife as well, because I feel like if you asked everyone a, a poll of just the, the, the general person, what traits do you think make a good successful person? It's probably very few of the things that you just said. You know, it's not being inquisitive, curious, asking why. It's more um, being able to persuade people, being able to to pitch, go and, and be and be salesy. I think sales has evolved to that, or at least my perception and the perception that people are trying to create is is evolving into those who are the most curious, when those who are the sure. fastest learners, when was that what you thought of sales before taking it on? Fun fact. I didn't want to be in sales. I try to run away from it and purely out of my own personal insecurity of being perceived as what I perceived salespeople to be, right? Nothing, listen, kudos to all the used car salespeople and the people who sell lotion at the mall or hair straighteners. But personally for me, I didn't want to be perceived that way. They're on a grind, but to me, I didn't want to be perceived that way. And to me, I thought selling was just, you know, uh, you know, I'm using this term now because I'm, you know, I've kind of grew up in this, but products and features and just talking about it. But the flip side is I also thought that that's what it was, right? When I began to see the cool side of, you know, technology or, you know, selling something that's interesting, it's the ability to passionately talk about it. But I think for me, that's what was appealing to me and telling people about it and winning people over, right, to that vision. But I think what I quickly learned was, so when I started my sales career as a SDR, um, I was at a marketing technology company um, and I was, you know, an SDR prospecting. And, you know, at that time I was calling on behalf of, you know, uh, networking and IT companies in the SMB and commercial space. And I made about $214 a day. You know, I would, I would make a ton of phone calls calling IT professionals. And what I learned there was actually that when I taught, it was sure there was a level of like the more dials you make, the more conversations, the meetings, et cetera. But I think the bigger takeaway for me was I realized that the more and more I made more phone calls and talked to people, I just learned about how they spoke and what they cared about. Mm. And I didn't even know it at the time, but my, my, my managers would give me the feedback. They're like, you know how to talk to them. How do you do that? Or like, you figured out a way to like talk to them in your own way with energy. Well, human, you know what to right? say. You're not, yeah, you're not reading, you're not going off 
of our script that we've given you, how have you done that? And I'm like, I don't, I don't know. But again, looking back after a couple of years and being in the space, I realized that it's because I just began to interpret a, a, a theme. I started to pick up on themes and connecting the dots of like, if you call an IT person, like, first of all, they're, they're, they're a little bit like they're in their office and they're a little bit stoic and they're not expecting a call, right? But if you just ask an open-ended question and open up and just be yourself, they'll talk to you. So mm-hmm. it's little things like that that added up and it taught me to just be more inquisitive and ask more questions. And yeah. then, you know, it actually, and then it eventually opened up to, you know, I, I mean, listen, I wasn't, I was a, I was a, um, a steamrolling SDR when I started my career. I call and I pitch and I try to book the meeting and I didn't dig into the pain. But eventually, as I made more dials and I learned and I got good feedback and I found the sword and realized that I wasn't so good at it, what I realized was ask open handed questions and dig into the pain, right? And I'll pause there. Like, that's really when it, it really transformed for me in my perception of what sales was. Was that what was being asked of you or is that what you kind of learned over time? Because, you know, I'll share the results after. Um, but I, I did a, a poll on, on LinkedIn asking people what their number one job as an SDR. Is it to qualify? Is it to learn information to say, okay, this, this, this prospect is a fit? Is it to uncover information? Is yeah. it to just get them excited for that next meeting? right? Goal is to do all three, but if you only could pick one to qualify, to uncover information or to get that next meeting, it was only one of those. Um, I want to hear what, what you were asked to do first Mm -hmm. and then how you got into where you were and then, then kind of share some of the results that I've seen in that poll. And we can talk about that maybe by, you know, what's driving some of those different answers. Yeah. So what was expected of me at that time was you need to uncover BANT, budget, authority, need, and time. And that's really what was a, at that, I'm not, I'm not commenting on if it's right or wrong. It was just, that was what was asked of me. Your job is do like, sure, there's scripts, whatever, but the main goal is to qualify for budget, authority, need, and time. And, you know, if then, then go for the quote unquote close and book the meeting, right? So that's what was asked of me and expected of me. Um, so I'll pause there. What does the data say <laughs> from the results of your audience? Yeah, yeah. Well, the data says there was uh, 45 votes. Um, 10% of them said qualify with Bant. And, mm-hmm. and, and when I think of the, the typical answer, what I was hearing five, mm-hmm. six, seven years ago, I, I felt like the, that was, that was the, the overriding answer. Mm-hmm. The yep. most common answer was uncover information like a problem. Uh, that had 48% of the votes. The second most common answer was build intrigue. So there is a next step um, mm-hmm. at 36%. So, you know, fairly close between yeah. um, how, what, what I've kind of seen is, is what it used to be, what it is, and maybe where, where it's going. But curious as to, you know, when you hear that breakdown of the results, any surprises there? Yeah, it makes sense to me, right? It also makes sense that, you know, folks are saying 10% is banned today because when I was given the banned criteria, it was, you know, this was what, 20, 24, 2017 or so. So not, not too, too long ago, right? But it's, it's, this space has evolved so fast, right? At that time, um, again, it, it, 
it was a mechanism to align sales and marketing, right? I mean, there's, that's a whole different conversation, but it was a way to go, what are the criteria that we need to align on, right? So it makes sense that people have moved away from that because I did see that obviously at this point in my career, I'm recognizing that that's not the best way to just qualify things, to be robotic by just grabbing those things, right? I think it's definitely about ensuring that there's a good, you know, understanding alignment. But in terms of the 48% for uncovering problem and interest, that's really interesting to me. So some of the things that I've observed, you know, I typically um, am at startup companies between series A and series B or C at times, right? So I'm going to early stage companies that, you know, call it either zero to 5 million or trying to get from five to 10 million, sometimes 10 to 50. And in those companies, it just is, it's, it's different, right? If you're zero to 5 million, I think that's more founder led, right? You got to have your book of business as a founder, maybe not a book of business, but you got to be selling as well, right? But as, as you scale and you begin to develop more data around the playbook, I do think that, you know, it, it, it changes the way that your, your, your sales engagement strategy. So for instance, I think I know some, um, some more early stage, smaller companies that have more AEs just to get the name out there they're fine with getting interest and that aligns to their goals, right? And it makes sense for them because they're maybe in a uh, very crowded space like cybersecurity. And, you know, in order to really, um, you know, get, get on top of mind, it's more about, you know, gathering interest around the topic to start conversations. Uh, but on the flip side, you might be, you know, in a more, um, you might be a little bit more mature company and you're, you're beyond interest now. Um, you're solving for a problem that's been solved for, and now you're going to have to, you know, ensure that the leads that you're sending over are a lot more vetted, a lot more qualified, right? And typically, you see that with inbound motions, where uh, you can do an you can do a lead score, and you can kind of pick and choose where you prioritize. And so, in that way, the data makes sense, right? It's you know uncovering the problem at hand, or you know, kind of driving interest. So, I think just um, anecdotally, obviously, it depends on who those 48 people were in the audience of a market they're in. We're not going to get into that right now. But overall, it makes sense that that's the distribution. With, with the different specializations, with, with SDRs, um, as we talked about, depending on where you are, doing, doing more than just, just qualifying, right? Or, or the, I see that role advancing and, and, and bringing more expertise and knowledge. Um, I've talked to some companies that even have their SDRs, their senior SDRs, close smaller deal. So it almost becomes SDR slash inside sales. But I'm curious as to what that ideal handoff looks like. What, what, what is a good go-to-market in, in, in your experience? Let's say it's a, it's a Series B company. They have uh, 200 employees, like 40 or 50 reps, something like that, uh, selling SaaS. Are you of the thought where it's good to have a, an SDR and AE one-to-one -one alignment, uh, more of like a pod structure. Do do SDRs capture information, hand it off to the AE? Do they join the AE as a transitionary call? W how, how do you like to see that process in yeah. general? The way that I like to think about it is, you know, I'm 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 really, you know, a topic that I'm very passionate about is the buyer experience, the buyer journey, and the ideal customer profile, right? So I think it just starts with 
what market are you looking to serve and solve challenges for, right? Are you looking to go after, you know, um, enterprise customers or more SMB, right? And then from there, it's what is your go-to-market strategy, right? Are you a very custom enterprise solution where it requires a high level of customization or are you more of a freemium model with product-led growth really picking up, right? So I think it's, you know, Right. If you're if you're on the form or the enterprise, how do you kind of think about that? I think for the enterprise, I mean, and we're talking assuming that we have SDRs in the mix. I think a pod absolutely makes sense, right? Mm. I think uh, the SDR, you know, is lack of better term is is having to be a lot more strategic. So instead of just grabbing you know, maybe you have a target account list of, I don't know, 200 accounts or 300 accounts that an SDR can kind of process through, you might only have 50 to 75, right? So you need to be, you need to be mindful of all your bats and also be resourceful because at that point, it's a quality over quantity game. You're playing an 18 to 20 month, 24 month cycle. And those are, you know, big whale of a deal, right? And it requires, you know, multiple, you know, uh, buyers, so uh, multiple, you know, business units to be involved yeah, in an enterprise sure. deal. And so with that being said, um, I think it really does require that, you know, um, not just SDRs and A's be aligned, but also the field, like field marketing. I think there's a level of a pod that we often talk about SDR and AE, but we often neglect the, um, the field marketer or the demand gen team that supports that region. Mm. Right. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'll start there. I mean, yeah. to answer your question, if we're going after enterprise, I do think that uh, a pod definitely warrants it. I think that it just at that, and then from there, all the specifics get down to, you know, ratio, what, how many, what's your account penetration look like, what does the net need? So there's a lot of variables there, but I'll, I'll kind of start there with that enterprise SDRA relationship. Yeah, and at that point, what you're describing could be described in, in other terms as, as account-based marketing as well. Right, where you have field marketing, SDR, AE. Um, in my in my previous roles, I, I've seen that extend to the solution engineer, and and you have this core team that really works well together end to end. Maybe even customer success. Maybe there's there's a similar alignment of this rep when the when the uh, account closes goes to that that uh, that customer success person as well. Um, right. So in that in that structure, in that more ABM targeted targeted list, customer experience, trying to have that that buyer journey, that buyer experience be as positive as possible. Do you are you a proponent of the SDR joining for that transition call? More more of a, of a tee up uh, to get into just some some specific tactics. Yeah. So for enterprise, I think that's an interesting point because I feel like there's several different types of calls, right? And also is a good, um, it also does allow for the leadership team there to use it almost as a training ground as well, right? So, so for example, uh, in, in, in maybe commercial or mid-market segments, it's a fairly, the velocity is fairly straightforward. It's, you know, you, you prospect, you have the meeting, you take the AE, two, three calls later, you close the deal, yeah, your name, right? But for enterprise, it might take speaking to eight, nine people before you get in front of the right buying company. Mm. So, you know, the question is, how do we define a discovery call? And at what point can you have a enterprise SDR do some of those discovery call meetings? 
some some of the uh, pods that I've put together in the past would actually so kind of like full circle this might seem like it's a tangent but I promise it's all tied together there's a component of even driving the correct behavior based on the strategy and affecting the comp plan so what I mean by that is um, a big question that comes up in some of my SDR leadership communities is, hey, what is the best way to compensate an enterprise sales development rep, right? And some of the discussions that we've had are around, it's really tough to go because of the number of accounts that you, you, you really own. There's only so many meetings you could book, right? Instead of doing a, you know, more of a, um, uh, more of a linear, you know, getting paid on meetings or SQLs or SQOs, there's been proponents, and I've been one of them, for an MBO model, management by, uh, by objectives, where you might have, call it 10 or 20 objectives for the quarter, and each might be, hey, go to each of your top five strategic accounts and interpret their 10 Ks and pull some nuggets and provide it to the field or to, you know, to the marketing or to, uh, to AEs. Two might be have you know, two or three, you know, discovery calls in the, not in the traditional sense, but maybe like information gathering calls with manager and director level people, but not with the intent of moving them into demo or discovery, but to learn more about them, to help them to solve for another challenge. So there could be MBOs that are involved to help accelerate the deal more strategically instead of somebody just chewing away at their target account list and just trying to book a meeting yeah. without getting Hit the list, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love what are so, what is one thing that if you could get into the head of every SDR out there, what was the one thing you'd say, we shouldn't do this anymore. It's, it's, it's old. It's everyone seeing right through it, but yet you still see it and, and you kind of cringe every time you see it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, you know, what I'm about to say is something that I, 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 I suggest, but I, I, I can empathize and I don't try to critique negative like i'm not trying to beat them up for it because i get why they're doing it but it's the it's the call and do the 800 mile per hour pitch right like take a breath and listen and, and talk and it's something so simple but it's still happening very often right it's and it's because they're nervous and i listen i was there i know this because i was there it's you know calling a cmo that's probably been working longer than I've been alive and expecting to say something meaningful and add value. Um, and so you get on the phone, you're like, oh my God, they like, pick up the phone and you just start, just start rambling and pitching, right? Um, I would, I would, I, I, that's one thing that comes to mind, like try to just slow down, you know? Yeah, slow down. Don't pitch. Don't pitch. Um, Don't pitch too hard. Like listen, and hard. I mean, obviously, obviously at a certain point you got to pitch, but like slow down, don't don't just go through your motion, but just be yourself and being human and 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 ask the right question and say what you need to say. Slow down. Yeah. One yeah. last one last one in tandem with that that comes to mind is stop using tribal language. Like stop using buzzwords. Stop using the terminology that you use internally to define things. Know your buyer and speak their language and actually just be human. Right. Like be your I know it's overstated, but be yourself because that's how you differentiate because no one's you. Yeah. Great. This has been great. Um, any parting thoughts on resources or, or people that should be followed on, on LinkedIn if you're a, a sales development person hungry for more knowledge? Yeah. Um, I always kind of have a standard set. I always point people to Cal Coleman at Clary. He does a phenomenal job with kind of like um, the SDR world and talking about that. Um, 
I do like, I don't know anyone special or unique that comes to mind, kind of like the main ones that come to mind for me uh, that everyone likes. Another one, Sarah Brazier. I think what Sarah's really done is really introduced a level of like candor and transparency in a way that um, even for myself, um, we don't often do or practice. So those are the two people that come to mind for me off the top of my head. That is great. So uh, we will share their their links in the in the in the comments here. And uh, you're right. Appreciate you taking the time to to join us. I, I mean, I I always learn a ton. Focus on the buyer experience. Really look at the, having the metrics dictate what the goal of the conversation should be. Um, I mean, a lot of good takeaways from this conversation. I appreciate you joining. Appreciate you having me here, Matt. I'm looking forward to further discussions. All right. Thank you, sir. Take care.